I'm so excited. I'm excited about this message that you've given me. I'm excited about just the amazing people. Lord, two different nights this week we had uh, kid volunteers here to do the best set and the best design we've ever done and spend their hours to do the new kids series, Kingdom. And, and God, we have so many people that serve so much that get here early to set up outside and to do so many things. And I honor them, but we praise you. We glorify you. We're thankful that this is not about a man or not even about a couple people, but this is about a group of people rising up to cast out the kingdom of darkness and bring in the kingdom of light because it truly is about you. And Lord, if this falls on us, we're in trouble. If this ever becomes about us, we will fall so fast that our heads will spin. But Lord, this is about you. This will not be about us. And Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is our declaration today. And as we go forward, we are pumped up. We are excited because yours is the victory. What an awesome song we got to sing to you this morning, Lord. Yours is the victory. Yours is the freedom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. We declare these things in freedom and victory in Jesus' name. And if you receive it and you believe it, everybody says, amen. amen. Gracious day. I'm going to go. So I'm going to get started. I just want y'all to do this with me and then I'm going to get to the opening. Okay. So y'all try it with me. I'm going to read in this manner. Then we're going to do it together. Y'all did good last week. Y'all ready? In this manner, therefore, pray. Ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Next week, we'll finish this series with this one, and I'm telling you, woo, mm, I love that. But today it kind of stays heavy. Like I, I told them in the uh, green room, or bank, it's really our office, uh, back through there right before we pray and we just kind of get alone and get with God and start singing and just going crazy in there. We need to show y'all sometime how crazy it gets back there beforehand. But, but I told them, I'm ready to do a message that's like easy. <laughs> like, this isn't it. This is not it. Talk, preaching on temptation and deliverance from evil and, and what does temptation, why are we doing all this? this it's not really like a, who. this is a good message. This is easy. I, I hope and pray that it's a good one. But here's the reality of the matter. That's heavy. And, and it's coming off of the things, and I just want to kind of review very briefly because you just, you just said them with me out loud, but but the very first week is the person of prayer. We have a good, good father, and we pray to him every single day, hopefully. And hopefully this is shifting you to want to go to prayer rather than the last resort is prayer. And then we pray his kingdom come and his will be done. And then we pray our daily bread, the, the provision that every day we are trusting him. And then last week was the pardon or forgiveness, and it was heavy. It was heavy in here. I could feel the heaviness across. I felt it for two weeks. But today is the protection of prayer. The protection of prayer. Everybody say protection of prayer. Now, if y'all have a cell phone, if y'all have a cell phone, raise your hand if you have one. Let me see. Raise your hand. Everybody? Just about. Some of y'all still have flip phones. I got a heart for that. I kind of wish that I did sometimes because the apps get all tied up and then I get all stressed out and then I start yelling at people driving down the road. It's not their fault. It's my fault. Come on now. But like, here's the thing that I want y'all to know about this is um, Josh and Austin are real good IT guys and they, um, they work for us and so they're around us all the time. And Josh is a wizard 
I don't know what it is about Josh, but he's like, he's got magic touch when it comes to putting those screens. Y'all seen the protective screens that you put on? He has like, I don't know, it's like he gets the card out and he, he, in like 20 seconds he can do it. If I put it on, y'all know the bubbles? Huh? I just stupid thing and I throw it away. I get so mad. And then what, what are the, the good protective covers called? Like there, there's all kinds of different ones and like you, you put them on and you snap them in. There's plastic and then there's the hard plastic and then there's the, there's the clear plastic. We got all these different covers for my phone. So this time, I think this is like the Nexus 5 or something. And so this time I said, I'm not going, it's supposed to have Gorilla Glass, right? <laughs> what does that mean? But like I, I said, I'm not going to put a cover on it because I like, I got big hands anyway, so I can hold it sideways too, and you can't, boop, you can't see it. But like I, I said, I'm not going to put the protective cover on, and I'm just going to go with it. It's going to be good. I'm not going to worry too much about protection. It's all good. I'm good to go. Y'all, I'm, I'm serious. I've had this phone, I think, a month and a half. The day that I got it, this is what I, I'm going to do it lower. Bloop. But it was not on carpet, and it was not from that distance. And it said, pow. And I said, I'm going to see if that Gorilla Glass is real. I picked it up and I looked at it. Y'all listen to this because this is good. I looked at it and said, oh, we're good. We're fine. Everything's good. I didn't pay attention to anything. I didn't look at anything. Then I went to take a picture. And it took, and it was like a kirk <laughs> to the picture. I said, what in the world? And I don't know if y'all probably can't see it, but right through the middle of it is cracked. Praise the Lord, I had the phone for 20 minutes and I cracked the lens. And do you know why that happened? All I had to do was listen to people that are smarter than me when it comes to smartphones. Because they said to me, well, you drop your phone a lot. You may not want to go without, say the word, protection. protection over your phone. And so just because I'm plugged in, I got full bars today, baby. I'm all the way charged. It's all the way live. Like it's all good, right? Everything's good. But, but the lens that I look out of, it's all jacked up. Here's the problem with that, y'all. I can look the part and look like everything's fine in my life, but if I forget to pray and my protection, my hedge, I think that I'm good. And so when I'm walking through a difficult season of my life, I start backing up and saying I'm good to go. Everything might look fine, but the lens that I'm looking out and the reason that I'm believing what's happening is happening in my life all of a sudden is skewed just enough. That's all the enemy is trying to do in your life. It's just so that your lens that you're looking out of is not his lens that he wants you to look out of. And that is the shift, and it's so small. And I might have done forgiveness this week. And it felt really good and said, I've forgiven this person and I've asked for forgiveness and I've, and I've gone through everything and, I, and I've prayed for provision and everything this and everything this and then hardship comes. Can I just tell you, if you ever walk with the Lord, if you ever walk with the Lord, ever walk with the Lord, hardship not only is promised, but it's guaranteed every single day it's coming against you if you're walking with him. It may not be big. A lot of times the subtle things are what really hurts, but it's coming. It's promised. And I feel like we get this mentality, and maybe it's just me, but I get this mentality of I'm good. Yesterday, I had such a great day at church that I don't need to put my case, my hedge that you can't see. Unfortunately, we don't get to see the hedge of protection over our lives. But when I forget the Lord because things are good, or when I run away from the Lord and say, how could a loving God let this happen in my life? 
It's a lot worse than just my cell phone without a case. And it's a lot worse than it dropping on the concrete on the hard floor right after I get it. It's your life, and your lens of your life is cracked so deeply in some of your lives that you don't know what to do. And so let's look at what Matthew chapter 6 says. It says, and do not lead us into, what's this word? But deliver us from the evil one. Don't lead us into that temptation, Lord. Please deliver us from that evil one. I want you to turn, if you have your Bibles, to James chapter 1. I'm going to go to two places, James 1 and then Matthew 4. And I believe if you'll lean in that God has something, and it might be small, but it will shift something in your heart because it's amazing to watch a compare and contrast of a hardship in a desert in your life and why he takes you there and why he allows these things to happen and what can happen to you if you will just be in a protective mode and pray. Not scared. The Lord didn't give me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and of self-discipline or a sound mind. I don't have to walk out afraid. I can walk out a victor. I don't hope that we're victorious. We are victorious in Jesus Christ. But just because I know that doesn't mean that I'm going to stand up during the, te- during the test and trial. And here's what James, the half-brother of Jesus, said. Can count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet or face trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing, everybody say testing, of your faith produces steadfastness. That is endurance to accomplish what he has called you to do. So, so, so let me just stop for one second. If you don't face the trial, you can't reach your destiny. I need everybody to take that in because I need somebody to talk to me in this place. If you don't face your trial, you can't reach your destiny. You can't reach your fullest life. And everybody says this. Pastor, things are going really good. Everything's good in my life. I haven't faced any difficulty in my life. I just want to look at, none of y'all have said that, so I can say this with boldness. I just want to look at the person that says they haven't faced a trial and say, well, bless your heart, brother or sister, because you haven't been producing steadfastness through the Holy Spirit. And as a result, you'll never reach your destiny, your fullest life, what God has for you, what he's planned for you. And this is the picture that I want you to see in the rest of the day. This is what we're going to look at. Not the rest of the day. That was awkward, right? Only the next 20 minutes, but y'all stay with me. Both God and then Satan and his demons are out for one purpose in your life. God wants to receive your worship and your glory, but he wants you to live your fullest life. He's come that you might have life and have it more abundant. And so the reason that he allows testing to go in your life is so that you can be sustained and your heart can be trusted through those things that he can pour down his favor on your life. But on the flip side, Satan does not care where you are today. You are not a threat to him. But if you ever live your fullest life for Jesus Christ and he is made more and more and you go from glory to glory to glory, it scares him to death. Listen to me. If, if this group of people ever rose up like an army and said, I don't know where we're going to go and I don't know what difficulty's going to happen. I don't know if my kids and my wife will be with me till the day that I die. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord no matter where we go or what we do. That scares Satan to death. He is attacking where you're going, not where you are. Jesus is pulling you where you're going through the Holy Spirit, not where you are. And both are equal and opposite fights. But listen, God does not have an enemy because he's already won. He's already kicked down the door. It's us that listen to the wrong voices, the wrong father. It's us that don't trust that our daily bread will be given to us. It's us that let unforgiveness sit in our hearts. These these prayers seem pop. Do these prayers seem to be working together? It's like dominoes in this place. 
when you face these trials, know that the testing is making you steadfast to be able to do what he's called you to do. And every time you think, God, why are you allowing these things? Remember this. Had they not happened, you would not be going where you're going. Somebody say amen in this place if you receive it. Come on. That's good. Mm. So this is what I want you all to know. God does not allow temptations or does not tempt you. He, God is not a God of a, he is not a tempter. But God allows trials in your life so that that can happen. I need you all to get this. God allows those trials, but Satan tempts to kill you. The temptation from God, by the way, this is tough because the word temptation and the word trial in the Greek is the same. But the tense or the meaning behind it is what's different. God allows these things in my life to pull me or to grow me and to make me more and new. Satan brings them in so that we fall and we believe the lies that he tells us once and we repeat to ourselves over and over. And the tension is what in my mind am I going to believe? Because your spirit knows, y'all. I'm t your spirit knows because the Holy Spirit, Christians, this is for you. The Holy Spirit of the living God is living inside of you. And he knows what you are. And he has chosen not to be concerned with what you used to be or what you were yesterday. I don't care if you were at a club and it was awful what you did. He knows what you can be in him if you ever believe what he says you are. And that's why he allows these things into your life. And then continuing in James 1, I love this verse, y'all. I love, man, James 1 is good. Back in the day, I memorized this with my dad at kids camp. Where are you, pops? I memorized James chapter 1, and I, I was reading back through it this week, remembering it. It was coming back up. And man, if you ever want a chapter to memorize through difficulty, whew, it was a song. I remember James chapter 1. See, I remember stuff. You thought I didn't listen. I just didn't listen when you said go to work. But I was listening when you said James chapter 1. Come on, somebody. Blessed is the man who remains... Here's that word again. Under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. Mm. I'd rather have that. I'd rather have that. <laughs> Which God has promised to those who love him. Now look at verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. Because that's the tension, isn't it? God, why would you allow this, Paul said, this thorn in my flesh to remain? I hate the sin. I, guilty. I hate the sin that I fall into and that sometimes I look for. Hate it. But let no man say that God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts. Who, who does he tempt? Nobody. Nobody. So this is what the Lord showed me this week as, as I was looking at this and it was in the past, but then this week it just jumped off the page. And if you're taking notes, I think this will be fascinating for you. And I won't, I'm not going to stay in Matthew 4 for long, but I want to give you some background. Between the Sea of Galilee and then down to Jerusalem is about a two and a half hour bus ride. So I don't know how long it takes to walk, but that doesn't sound fun because it's mountainous and it's hot. And, and in that area is the valley of the shadow of death where from Jerusalem down to about Jericho, the, it, it, there's no grass and it's awful and it's dry and it's difficult. And, and just north of that 
is where this mountain range was that they believed Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. And it looks like any wilderness that you've seen on TV. Fascinating. And this is the place during these 40 days that we're about to look at that Jesus spent. And I want you to see how Matthew chapter 4 starts because it fascinates me. It says, then Jesus was led up by the, who was, who led him? Into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Like I struggle with this. God, it's Jesus. Like, why did you do this? First Corinthians chapter 10 says, No temptation that's taken me, no, no temptation has, I'm gonna translate it in my words, has come against me except that which is common to man. And he's given me a way out because he faced every one of the trials and temptations that we can ever face or even possibly imagine, yet did not sin, is what the Bible says. And so he allowed Jesus to not only face all of your hurts and all of your shame when he was in the garden and he was praying for you, take this cup from me, when he was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them, remembering every one of your sins, but also he remembers not only your sin, but he knows the testing and the trial that you're going through and the temptation that the evil one's going against based on this. And I just want you to see this. After fasting for 40 days, imagine how hungry you are if you have not eaten anything or drank anything but water. You're ready to eat. I've fasted before, but never just water. And I cannot imagine how absolutely starved he would be and how thirsty he would be for something other than water, because if all I've had today is water, somebody, I'm ready to drink something else. And it says he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, Hey, Jesus, if you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. I need y'all to get this. My goodness, I'm about to preach. The difficulty in temptation is that we look at Jesus and we say, Father, I know you're the good, good Father. And I know it's your kingdom that you're trying to establish through all of us. And I know that you promised me a daily bread. And I know that you said you're the bread of life. But I'm hungry and I'm tired and there's a shortcut, a way out. All you got to do, Satan says, is just tell these stones to become bread. And I feel like even though I know that he will provide for my needs, so many times what I look at it say, Oh, I'm just tired of waiting on him to provide for my needs. And I know exactly what God's called me to do, but I don't feel like it. God, it doesn't make sense. This isn't my way. I have a better plan. Does anybody ever say that? I got a better idea what, what to do, God. Let's do something different. And Jesus responds back with the word. He quotes scripture to him from Deuteronomy. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's how we have to respond to the enemy is quote scripture at him, claim his promises and cast our cares. Verse 5. Y'all just remember that he's already attacked provision. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, just test it. See, and this is the, this is the difficulty is I believe that we should, we should so believe God that we trust him for things, but we, we're never to put God to the test and show off. And this is where pride comes in. And this is where it's so difficult. And this is what God's been messing me up all week with. 
And I can't preach this message today because I got this message today. But there's so much, so much subtle difference close in not having the protection of God on and believing that I'm fully protected without him. And believing that I've already made it and I'm good and I'm, I'm in the covering of the Lord. He says, throw yourself down for it's written. He, you, you can command your angels. This is Satan, by the way, quoting scripture to Jesus. He knows it better than you do, so be careful thinking that you've made it because of your knowledge. I'm preaching to me if I'm not preaching to y'all. On their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Satan is saying, hey, man, you all right? Surely you won't die like he said in the garden to Adam and Eve. You can have this tree of, or tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're good. Just eat from that fruit. But look at Jesus' response. It's powerful. Jesus said to him, again, it's written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the last thing, and this is big, y'all. God's not looking for you to be the best at anything. I need you to hear this right now. God's looking for pure-hearted people. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. We so often look and say, I feel like I could preach better than him. I feel like I could sing better than her. I feel like I could wave people in better than them. I feel like I could, I feel like I could. And God's never looked for you to feel like you could. He just wants you to walk in faithfulness and be obedient every single day. He said, if we had the faith of a mustard seed, I could speak to a mountain and tell it to move. But in my obedience, in my everyday, in my difficulty, I don't do that because I get frustrated that you have the favor of God on your life and I envy your favor and I don't look at what God is calling me to do. And so rather than do what he has said to do and continue to claim his promises and cast my cares, continuing to pray and preach the way that he's called me to do, I look at you and say, what are you trying to rob me from? Y'all, it's not my job to believe that about you or about anyone else. It's my job to equip you and watch God do greater things in you than, you than he ever thought about doing in me. That's the greatest thing that could happen to my life is I don't know how many, over 100 adults are in this room right now. And if over 100 people accomplish more for the kingdom of God than I do, I did my job. I'm about to. But if I try to hold y'all down under my tyranny of I'm the pastor and y'all better watch out, I'm a dude. This jacked up in my spirit and in my flesh and all the time wanting more for me and wanting less and all this. And God says, look, man, I got it. And it's way better than you can even dream. In your wildest dreams, I've got it. But I've got to be able to trust your heart. And I put you through the test that you've been put through and put you through the loss that you've been put through and put you through the difficulty every single day so that I can increase what only I can increase. And then I can trust your heart with it. We pray for the lottery. And it would be the single worst thing that could ever happen to many of us. And I'm fixing to show you why. Because he took him to a very high place. I want you to think about right now what you dream about. What your wildest imagination is and ask yourself, does this shift the kingdom of God or does it truly shift my kingdom? It may have a platform that looks like God's kingdom. But at the end of the day, I want my name to be known. Can I just tell you this? God wants men and women's names to be known. He's the one that said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I didn't make that up. And so a man's name being known and a woman's name being known is not bad. Unless that's the goal. See, the, the difference in Mark Pangle and Abraham is that Abraham only wanted God and only wanted his name to be known. The difference between David and Saul, I'm about to preach. The staff's getting nervous because I went two hours on this one on Wednesday. Is David, 
was a man after God's own heart. Y'all, you can't screw it up much worse than David did. Somebody talk to me in this place. Somebody's divorcing here and you're wondering if God can ever use you. It's not about your divorce. It's about the kingdom and his righteousness and your heart and what you want to establish. Somebody in here is jacked up so bad and you had your past that was so ugly and you're like, I don't know if God can ever use me. It's not about what you did or it's not about the good that you do. It's about him who loves you and has called you according to his purpose. He's waiting on you. He loves you enough not to pour down his blessing on you. Many people preach the blessing of God, and I want y'all to know this. There's nothing wrong with prosperity, and I believe God wants to prosper you and not to harm you. I'm quoting scripture, but I believe we miss the principle in the meantime, and that's there will be loss and there will be difficulty. There will be tests to get you in your heart to where he can trust you with those things. Watch. This is what Satan wants to do. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms. Yo, he knows the same kingdoms that, that Jesus knows. Think about Matthew 6 right after that. I quote this all the time. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Watch. That's a process and it's difficult. Satan shows him all the, the world's glory and says, all these things I will give to you. Oof. If you just fall down and worship, if you just sell out, it's a hard process. Sometimes life's really difficult. Sometimes I don't want to put the protective cover of my life on. Sometimes I don't get what God's doing, and I just want to take a shortcut and do it my way because the highway seems a lot harder, so it's my way. And it's just such a, a simple shift because, listen to me, I can look the part and make you believe that everything's right in the Lord, but if my heart is wrong, I'm, I'm Saul, not David. I want my kingdom to be established. God will build a much higher kingdom than I ever thought about it. My name will be much higher if I do it his way. But if I want my name to be in lights, if I get so frustrated in obscurity and in, in my hiddenness and, and I'm doing the right things and I don't get it. Y'all, I think the reason the music world has such an anointing on it is because they've sold out. Because Satan was called, you are my anointed cherub, my anointed angel that fell, Lucifer. If you sell out, listen to me, you can get all you ever wanted and you better enjoy it because it's the closest heaven you'll ever get on this planet and you'll never experience heaven up there. But God called me and made me, designed me and designed you to bring heaven to earth and to establish his kingdom and his authority and his throne. But it's hard sometimes and it's a process sometimes and it's changed sometimes and every day's different. And Jesus said, be gone, Satan, for it's written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I want y'all to know this. I thought this was fascinating. If the Israelites would have left Egypt in their slavery and followed God, listen to me, listen the whole time. It would have taken them 40 days to get from here to there and walk into the promised land. How long did it take them? 40 years instead of 40 days. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. But he got to go out of the wilderness. Gracious day, I'm about to preach up in this place. Because he listened to God and trust the process. An entire nation had to die. An entire generation of people had to die. Many of you find yourself in the wilderness today and you say, I want out. I'm tired. I'm lonely. It's dry. I don't feel like. Listen, I know some of y'all are hurting so bad you don't even know what to do. But, but God has taken you to that wilderness so that he can trust you with his blessing. You don't get to choose when. 
But you get to choose if you'll listen to him and you'll follow his plan. Man has good things in his head, but the Lord establishes my steps. He leads me down a path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through that valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. His rod and his staff will comfort me. And I just want to show you this to close because I think it's really good. Lamentations. Zach, I'm going to skip the next one. Lamentations chapter 3. Whenever I'm hurting, and I just want you all to go here when you're hurting. I'm going to do a cartwheel preaching this last couple verses. It says, remember my affliction, Lamentations 3.19. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. That is a picture of torment. It's really a picture of hell on earth. I said, God, do you remember these things that I'm struggling with? My soul continually remembers and bowed down within me. I am struggling so deeply. Some of y'all came in here and that is your struggle. You know that you've been wronged. You know that you've been hurt. You know that the hell that you've been through, through being cheated on, through being hated, through being ridiculed and mocked, and the loss that you've experienced, the loss of children, the fact that you can't have them, whatever it is in your life, I remember these things every day, God, and I don't understand. But this is what I call to my mind. And therefore, I have. Somebody say hope again. The steadfast. Y'all, that word is there again. The endurance to run the race of the Lord never stops. His love is always there and it's always new. It never stops. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, my daily bread. If you want the blessing, you'll miss the portion. It adds up and it shifts and the portion gets bigger and he changes and he calls you to more and he calls you to more. But you want someone else's more and you won't walk in your portion. And you'll never get their portion and you'll sell out and say, what happened? He's never moved. He loves you and he's called you to something far bigger than you can imagine. This is not prosperity gospel. This is truth. But you have to experience loss and hurt to experience his greatness. I need somebody in this place to stand up and say, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Some of y'all need this for the first time today. You found your hope in everything but him. And the way that that comes is making him Lord of your life by simply saying, I love you back, Jesus. I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. But you died to replace yourself as sin so that I could be your righteousness. And I receive that in Jesus' name. I love you back today. And if that's what you want, we want to pray with you and we want to hug you. And eventually we want to dunk you in Jesus' name. And then for everybody else, I feel like this is a message somebody needs to respond to. I'm going to let you respond how the Lord tells you. But here's the prayer that I want you to ask yourself as I'm asking people to respond. God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? What have you called me to that I've held back because of a lack of prayer? Listen to me. The enemy's attacking. Y'all get this. But if they're landing, you ain't praying. The enemy's attacking. But if they're hitting, you took the protection off. Just know that I'm going to drop my phone a hundred times this week, but I'm about to put a case on it. <laughs> he loves you. 
And he bought you with a price. Somebody needs to stand up in this place and say, I'm his. I'm not yours enemy anymore. Get under my feet. Get behind me, Satan. I will walk with Jesus today. And I don't tell God how fast I'm going to get to where I think I should be because my finish line is nowhere near what God's finish line is for my life. I'm just going to trust him today. And through all that difficulty that you've sat under, just know that God is preparing you for something much bigger than my mind can even dream of. So I need somebody to respond in this place. Will you bow with me? If you're the person in here that needs Jesus to save you, I just need you to throw your hand up right now and say, that's me. That's me. Come on, somebody. Whoever it is, just throw your hand up and say, that's me. I need salvation in my life for the very first time. I need Jesus to save me. I'm going to let you all respond how you want to respond. But if you know that this message was for you, we're singing, oh, come to the altar again. And at this time, people will leave to get baptized, and we're going to celebrate at least three people in the first and four people in the second. If you need to get baptized, get up right now. But for everybody else that knows you've been through death and back, you've been through hell and back, you've been through difficulty, you come make this your altar right now. You just spread out along this, along this horse trough that we're going to dunk people in and celebrate people being raised to life, and you come right now. And in Jesus' name, make this your altar. Lord, we love you because you loved us first. And we will not turn away from what you've called us to turn or called us to. And through that wilderness, through that difficulty, through that hurt, we will fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who with the joy set before him, Lord, you endured the cross and scorned its shame, and now you're seated on the right hand. You've called us to something far greater than we can imagine. But we have to live by your daily bread and trust that it's far better and a far better journey than we could do for ourselves, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Y'all stand with us.